In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. This is a CBC Podcast. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. Uh, You might remember back in 2007, this video starts making the rounds online. It's filmed at a maximum security prison in the Philippines. This large yard with like a thousand inmates in orange jumpsuits. And when you first watch it, you're not entirely clear what they're doing. They're staggering around. They're making like jerky arm movements. And then it kind of hits you. They're dancing to Thriller. So as of the time I'm speaking these words out loud, uh, that original video has been viewed more than 59 million times, and at least one or maybe a hundred of those views belongs to Romeo Candido. He and his friend and collaborator Carmen de Jesus saw the dancing inmates of Cebu and decided to turn it into a musical. Prison Dancer is Canada's first all-Filipino musical production. It's on the National Arts Centre in Ottawa right now. Um, that's where Q guest host Talia Schlanger reached the show's co-creator and composer, Romeo Candido. Hi, Romeo. Welcome to Q. Hi. Glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. So take me back to the very first time you saw this video, Dancing Inmates of Cebu. What, like, what, what are you thinking as you're watching these inmates dance? I was thinking it felt like while the world was surprised, I wasn't surprised. It's It felt very Filipino. It felt very Filipino that you would see a group of Filipino men dancing en masse. Um, what I was surprised about was that the video was being shared to me by non-Filipinos. I'm like, you know, elder statesmen in the Filipino community. So people tend to send me things, but it was like, so many non-Filipinos sending this video to me after it had circulated within our community. And so I thought that there was this interesting phenomenon. And while 50 million views doesn't sound like a lot now in the viral video game, then it was massive just because this was kind of in the beginning of viral videos. And I just thought there's something that's connecting with a global audience that's Filipino And I just got really excited at the prospect of maybe turning it into something. I love that you weren't surprised to to see Filipino men in any circumstance expressing themselves through dancing. Yeah, yeah, like if you if you if you go to the Philippines, you'll see like some of the hardcoreist men singing air supply or singing ballads or singing. It's it's kind of like how our um, our people make the hardships of life a little bit easier. We turn to we turn to music and dance and to art to overcome some of the more harsher aspects of life. There are a lot of questions that people had when that video came out about mm-hmm. about why these inmates were dancing and whether they had been made to do it. What did you eventually find out about how that particular video came came to be? Well, it's been a long process. When we first started Prison Dancer, we just made assumptions of how the video made, came to be. After going to the facility to the CPDRC in Cebu. What we discovered is Byron Garcia, the original uh, security consultant, he had hired a choreographer who did big street festivals. In Cebu, they have this thing called Sinulog, which is a big celebration. And there are these huge street festivals where uh, people dance. And so he brought a choreographer 
uh, in to teach these inmates to dance. And she, you know, surprisingly didn't get a lot of resistance. People just kind of jumped in and, uh, and participated. There is rumors that there was like threats and this and that, but I can't confirm those. But what when I did meet with the inmates, they said that it was just a great way to pass time. For some, it was a great way to shake off their addictions and sweat out their addictions. For some, it was just a sense of community. And there's this uh, Filipino term called bayanihan. Bayanihan is when the community lifts the house and takes it to another place, like a big bamboo hut. And But it's this idea of lifting together and this big group dancing thing created this bayanihan spirit. And once it started going viral, it just made a lot of these inmates feel seen and feel relevant and feel not forgotten. And so those are the things that I found really inspiring about the story. What you're saying about the bayanihan spirit um, makes me think of a song from the show that is about the idea of redemption and and being uplifted through song. And and the song's called Lose Your Way. And I wanted to Mm -hmm. listen to a little bit of it um, right now together, if we could. That's Lose Your Way. It's from Prison Dancer. It's a, a new musical. Romeo Candido is one of the creators and the composer. Romeo, what, what's that song all about? What's happening there? At this point of the musical, the inmates have been tasked to march in line and march as one uh, as this warden is wanting to instill a, uh, a program to teach them discipline, to teach these, you know, in his words, animals and these beasts and these chaotic humans, some discipline, and our protagonist, genderqueer person, breaks out of this marching line, and he just finds liberation through dance, and dance has is for this character a way of freedom and a way of agency and a way to transcend their, their circumstance. And so Lose Your Way is at the moment where they discover that dancing can set them free, even if they're being tasked to march. Hmm. You mentioned a moment ago that you got some grant funding and you were actually able to go to the Cibo, uh prison. What was it like when you walked in there? It was very emotional because for, you know, about six years while working on the musical, all I knew of it was the BBC documentaries or like just the documentaries that existed. And going in there, you know, the smell, the sound, seeing the place that I had only seen on screen you know, it was really profound because then I realized, oh, we're not just making a musical for entertainment. Um, I, I just felt responsible. You know, I didn't have that responsibility before, but then after meeting them, I was responsible. And then in the original video, there's, you know, in Thriller, there's Michael Jackson, and then there's the woman that he's dancing with. And I was looking for this inmate who played the woman. Mm-hmm. That was the like that's the protagonist in our show her name is lola but that's the person who i was like out of all these inmates there's this one person who's dressed as a female dancing with these inmates expressing themselves and so i wanted to find that person and i went i went on a quest to find the person to thank them 
to thank them for inspiring me, to thank them for changing my life, to thank them for helping me create the musical. And then when I realized, and then I talked to their friends in the facility, and then they said that um, they were no longer with us as they passed away from, from a drug overdose. And that moment really shook me, like it, because in my head, I had held this idea that I was going to be able to tell them that they're responsible for this thing that has given so many people joy, but then they're not here. And then I realized that it's real, like th these lives are real and it's not always happy endings. But in this musical, we give the most aspirational, hopeful and joyful version of the origin story of Prison Dancer, but not without skimming over the real dangers in prison like uh, addiction, why people are there. So when people watch the show, they think they're going to come for like a, a joyous romp in the musical theater world. But because we really dig into the real humanity of these people, people are leaving shaking and people are leaving. And we're not talking just Filipinos. We're talking about like white people. We're talking about all people. Like they, they leave this theater having experienced all of the emotions because I feel me and my partner Carmen, we wanted to make sure that we told a really human story within this somewhat outlandish uh, circumstance. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. just going to reintroduce you here. This is Q. I'm Talia Schlanger. I'm sitting in for Tom Power. I'm talking to Romeo Candido, uh, co-creator of the musical Prison Dancer. Romeo is also a veteran director of film and TV and a talented musician. I'm an Emmy nominee. I was oh. nominated for an Emmy and, like two weeks ago and an Emmy nominated director. Congratulations. So Thank you. I know. I just have to like, you know. Listen, kinda, that's listen. important. If I was listen. nominated for an Emmy, you can bet it would be the first thing that I would be saying. Well, it's, it's tattooed on my lower back. <laughs> nominated for an Emmy. And I'm only saying this because if there's a Filipino listening, it's like you can do it all. You can be nominated for Emmy. You can make a musical at the National Arts Center. Uh, these things are not uh, beyond us. It's pretty fabulous. I, I want to know, even though you didn't get to meet the person that you were looking for who mm -hmm. who played the, the female character in the Michael Jackson mm -hmm. um, video or the viral video take on yep. Michael Jackson's thriller, yep. what did you learn about queer life inside of the prison that you visited for, for Filipino inmates? Yeah, so um, what was interesting is, you know, when you watch uh, normal prison tropes or you see like Shawshank Redemption, there's this kind of like image of the downtrodden gay life in the prison or this violent uh, kind of situation. But <laughs> I met the most fabulous people whose light was undeniable. And they were like, in prison, we are the queens. We mm -hmm. are coveted. It's our choice. And so the kind of interesting thing is in the prison these the the queer inmates are coveted but these relationships can only exist inside the prison once outside of the prison the relationships that they've cultivated with you know quote unquote straight men 
those can't exist outside of the prison. So it was interesting to talk to some of these inmates saying that it's only in prison that they could be out in their relationships. These are the kind of things that we integrated into our show. Like, what does it mean to have reciprocated love? And what does it mean when that love uh, can only exist in, in certain conditions? It knocks me out, the idea that somebody who we think of as having a lot of freedom being taken away, on the other hand, would have the freedom of of loving who they need to love or being their their full self on on the from the gender perspective in a place. Mm-hmm. And when I visited uh Duterte was still the president and this is when he like he launched a war against drug dealers and there were these extrajudicial killings where police were just given carte blanche to kill whoever is suspected of drug activity and so some of these inmates were actually even saying I feel safer in here than on the streets where uh if I was st- snitched on then they would shoot me in the street so there was a lot of like it's very layered mind you this is the like this is a rehabilitation center like where this was made famous was in the purgatory jail before being sentenced to the real jails and the real jails in the philippines in spaces that could are supposed to fit 20 they cram in 200 so like it's not even the worst of the conditions that exist in the philippines Mm. I want to I want to get back to some of the music from the show to to mm-hmm. end on that note and to sort of your the tribute that you pay to your Filipino uh, heritage in in many yeah. of the things that you do but especially in this show um, you integrate a genre of music called OPM uh, OPM original Pinoy music original Filipino music it's just you know we were colonized by the Americans and so like our music is deeply inspired by American ballads. Broadway show tunes. And so while a lot of the musical is inspired by Black music, 90s house music, 90s R&B, um, which is kind of like my root default music, um, I really pay homage to the to, to original Filipino music, which is ballads, which is heart on your sleeve, which is not satirical, which is, you know, which is earnest. And it's it's resonating. I want to give people a chance to hear that with a little bit of the song uh, Evermore. Yes. That's Evermore, written by Romeo Candido for the show Prison Dancer. Uh, This musical, Romeo, has been evolving for more than a decade. Part of the show's journey involved a stop at the Citadel Theater in Edmonton. And for folks who don't know, the Citadel has this reputation for being an incubator for shows that eventually go to Broadway. Uh, Six was there. Hadestown was there. Do you have those same ambitions for, for Prison Dancer? Oh, heck yeah. You know, um, you know, I'm not in this representation matters game anymore. I'm I'm here to show Filipino excellence and Filipino airtight exceptionality. Like over the last 10 years, we have evolved as artists. And so I am no longer here going, I'm just happy to have a space. You know, I'm not here to say, just come and support our show. I'm here to say that come and see like Filipino excellence be expanded as a human being and see what I think is a classic. Like I think our show is somebody's 
West Side Story mm. or somebody's Rent or somebody's Hamilton. And it's not like me just boasting about it. We're every show we're getting people saying this, like for a lot of people who've never seen musical theater before, and this is their entrance point, then we've just introduced an art form to them. And for those people who've seen lots of musical theater, they come to our show and they're like, this is what we need. Like, especially in this time where we're so divided, especially in this time when the house is on fire, we are bringing a musical where we're, we're highlighting the humanity of the people who are on the other side of a line that's being uh, painted for us. And so I think we have a musical that speaks to the time, uh, to this time, and one that brings people joy and expansion and lets them touch their their grief and vulnerability and uh, the music's dope and the performers are dope and yeah broadway or bust man like you know lesser shows have been able to touch the broadway and i just think we made a classic well i wish you all the best with it i mean you're yeah. emmy nominated now so let's get that tony nomination let's get that, let's EGOT. Get that egot let's, let's EGOT. go romeo <laughs> Congrats and thanks yes. for the chat. Oh, Talia, thank you so much. Thanks, Q. That was Talia Schlanger's conversation with Romeo Candido. Romeo is an Emmy-nominated director, writer, and composer who makes his home in Toronto, originally from Newfoundland and Labrador. His latest project is the musical Prison Dancer, co-created with Carmen De Jesus. That show is on now at the National Arts Centre in Ottawa, wrapping up tomorrow. You can also stream some of the songs from the musical on Spotify. That is it for the show this week. He was produced by Ben Edwards, Vanessa Greco, Lise Hossein, Vanessa Nigro, Corey Nijowin, Gloria Amateo, Mitch Pollock, and Catherine Stockhausen. Our digital team is Amelia Ekbal, Shuli Grossman-Gray, and Vivian Rashad. Our podcast producer is Caitlin Swan. Our director is Matt or Matthew Murphy. Our engineer is Sam Hashemi. Our senior producer is Beza Seifa. And McKeegan is our executive producer. Thanks so much to Talia. Thanks to Talia Schlanger for covering for me earlier this week. My name is Tom Power. I'm the host of the, the program. If you're not already subscribed to our podcast, Q with Tom Power, wherever you get your podcast is the best place to do that. We'll see you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.